We are in the mood for fantasy football, and week four is officially wrapped up in the books, and now we focus on week five, but we can't focus on week five, not to mention we can't focus on our fantasy lineups without updated injury information from around the National Football League. I'm Cody Rourke of Pro Football Network, joined alongside by Pro Football Network fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett. He's my go-to guy for everything, and Tommy, look, uh, five weeks into the NFL season, injuries, you know, they're always going to be a thing. Not as many impactful injuries as we've seen so far early on in the season, but still some injuries to some key players, obviously, as we continue to go throughout the season. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, like I said, it was another week, another week into the books. Uh, we did have some injuries, but I, it's almost like we're getting so conditioned to these career and season altering injuries that we had in the preseason where it's, oh, hey, it's a hamstring. You know, I'm not as concerned anymore. I, maybe we're just getting, you know, that uh, a little conditioned, I guess you could say at this point. But I, it's that whole disassociation between the man inside the helmet and what you see as the jersey. That's the thing that I think fans still got to realize. Like, these are still guys out there in the field. We still have to be concerned about their future. We never want to see a guy get hurt or an injury. Uh, hopefully nothing that we're going to go over today is going to be too impactful for their careers. And then get back on the field here pretty soon. And also back in your guys' fantasy lineups. Absolutely. Well, let's start things off here with the quarterback position. Obviously, for the San Francisco 49ers, this was something I know that a lot of 49ers fans were sitting on there waiting on, like, you know, when is it going to happen? But Jimmy G, yep. he left action yesterday against the Seattle Seahawks with a calf injury. And Trey Lance came in and, he, you know, nine of 18, a buck 57, two touchdowns. Obviously, Debo Samuel is a big time playmaker. He's going to help elevate anybody here. But the calf injury, a little bit of a concern. Not really sure yet how long he's going to be out. It could be a week. It could be week to week. I mean, who knows? But Kyle Shanahan had said something along the lines of it. It kind of felt like he got stepped on uh, in that calf, and that's kind of where it was at. So calf injuries, they could be tricky because it is a soft tissue injury, and one yep. wrong movement can completely set you back. So, I mean, is the expectation maybe that the you know football fans, fantasy football managers should look at Trey Lance this week? Yeah, I think you would need to look at Trey Lance this week because one of the interesting things that Jimmy Garoppolo talked about in his press conference was that it happened early in the it happened actually in the first drive, and he felt it trickle all I would say down into his Achilles. Ooh. I think that's an interesting talking point that hasn't really we haven't really heard too much about was that that calf and Achilles in a whole area. You don't want to be messing around with that too much. Now, obviously, it wasn't something you know, like they. You know, Kevin Durant, obviously, you know, when he tore his Achilles, things like that, Um, because he was able to walk off things like that. he looked yeah. OK and he was able to put pressure coming off of his foot. So I'm expecting it's probably going to be a calf injury more than likely. But, yeah, you're looking at a Trey Lance led 49ers team, which some we have all been waiting for since they drafted him, literally sold the entire farm to get him out of North Dakota State. The problem is that Trey Lance looked like a quarterback who hasn't been getting a lot of reps. Like, like you said, hey, Debo Samuel looks fantastic. He looks extremely good when no one is guarding him. And granted, he also looks good the other times too when someone is around him. But Trey Lance, he looked a little rusty. Now, hopefully, if he gets a full week of practice, which also means a full week of one-on-one -on -one direct conversations and training with Kyle Shanahan, which who we all believe is one of the better play callers in the NFL. Like, well, you went up there and traded. This is your guy. Granted, you'd never want to see a guy get his shot because of an injury, you know, a la Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe. But it's one of those ones where it's, He's going to have some rough patches. We kind of saw that in this game with a little bit of inaccuracies. But he's such a dynamic player because he also had those seven rushes for 41 yards that he could be a, a mid to high level QB two if he gets enough time under his belt. The floor for Trey Lance is arguably the highest of any of the rookie quarterbacks, but it's also probably the lowest floor. He doesn't have a huge body of work out of North Dakota State and he just hasn't had a lot of time in this 49ers offense. I'd love to see what he can do on this team person that is absolutely loaded with weapons once they are fully healthy, but it's one of those ones where, hey, you know what, there might be some rough patches along the road, 
And then once Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, do we have another situation like we have with the Bears where the incumbent is still going to be the lead guy and they don't want to turn the reins over to the rookie quarterback just yet? Yeah, it's a wild situation. And obviously, when you look at it too at Trey Lance, I think you make a great point. If he gets the entire week to prepare, we already know that this offense has some packages designed for Trey Lance. However, you can build a game plan around him. What he can do really well as a passer, not to mention as a runner with certain designs that they have. But one of those hangups, in my opinion, regardless if it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, look, Trent Williams also left action with a shoulder injury. So that does have an impact on the 49ers offense, just in general at the tackle position. So something to monitor for both 49ers, not only just a QB, but at the tackle position here. Uh, let's go now down to the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater, the starting quarterback for them. He's off to a hot start so far this season. He left action in the second quarter right before halftime after taking a shot to the helmet, and now he is in NFL concussion protocol. Obviously, the Broncos offense, if you watched it in the second half, you saw what it looked like when Teddy Bridgewater was at quarterback versus Drew Locke, but – Drew Locke has to prepare this week potentially as if he's going to be the starter on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is obviously a, a, an injury to a veteran guy that really led the team. You can tell that the, the composure of the team and the offense, it fell apart when Drew Locke stepped in, and that's because the offense, the offensive players, it appears like they have all their belief set in the yep. foundation of Teddy Bridgewater. No, I completely agree. And it's It was one of the things where it was very much the difference between what the organization and the players surrounding them believed and what the fans wanted to believe coming around Denver, that whole Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater uh, battle back and forth, where I don't think there was very much of a battle at all. They knew what they were getting in Teddy Bridgewater, which was a guy who was going to take care of the ball when he needed to. But like we've seen this year, he has no issue wanting to push that ball vertically. You've seen Cortland Sutton. You saw KJ Hamler when he was on the field, too. Both those guys had nearly a 28 dot in those games with Teddy Bridgewater, and he's been playing very well. He plays confident with the football, and you've seen some great success for the Denver Broncos, who have been off to a very hot start. So it sucks that uh, Teddy Bridgewater is has been put in the concussion protocol. You never want to see guys take head injuries. It's one of the brutal sides and aspects of this very violent game that is the NFL. Hopefully he can clear those hurdles and get back out there for, uh, for Week 5 against the Steelers, like you're just saying, which is I don't think it's a defensive matchup that, anyone fears right now with the way the Pittsburgh Steelers are, especially from a fantasy aspect. Um, I would have no issue starting Teddy Bridgewater against Steelers. I would, however, have an issue starting Drew Locke against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think there's a reason they probably moved off of him and went to Teddy Bridgewater. And Locke looks like a guy who has like who has not been getting reps, kind of like we talked about with Trey Lance. Um, the difference is everyone is excited to see Trey Lance play. I don't think Denver Broncos fans are necessarily <laughs> excited to see Drew Locke play in this offense. It was um, a mixed reaction. You know, when he came yeah. out on the field, there were some people that were cheering, some people that were booing. It was, uh, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's it's one of those ones where I think I would probably just stick with Teddy Bridgewater and then probably leave a Drew Locke-led offense alone. I think he would still start your starters, obviously, and it's still very early, very early in the week, and we'll have to see what happens, what comes out of it. But for right now, not liking the the thought of this Drew Locke-led team, Um because if we think back last year, he didn't actually play that well either when they played the Steelers uh, last year. Well, not to mention, too, the Broncos, they were missing Dalton Reisner, Graham Glasgow, both starting guards both against both the Ravens. And and there's an expectation maybe Dalton Reisner might miss this week as well. I think Natani Muti did a really well job standing in there at right guard there for, uh, for Graham Glasgow. But, you know, the bigger question remains, can the Broncos overcome that? Because whether it was Teddy Bridgewater, whether, whether it was Drew Locke, both those quarterbacks took a lot of shots and had a lot of pressure in their face on Sunday against the Ravens. So obviously a concern when you have to go against T.J. Watt 
and the defense that they have there because that pressure, if it gets home, you force an error throw, you're going to have guys like Mika Fitzpatrick going to have Joe Hayden that could potentially jump it and intercept it. So obviously a matchup problem there. We'll continue to monitor that all week long here for the Denver Broncos. But, you know, now, Tommy, let's get to the running back position. Obviously a key injury happened for the Chicago Bears in yesterday's action against the Detroit Lions. David Montgomery went down with a knee injury, was in a lot of pain, had to be helped off. Early reports this morning, according to Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, suggest that the belief is that it is not a torn ACL, which is great news. However, he is still expected to miss a, a pretty good amount of time. A hyperextension could lead to maybe an MCL, an LCL, the lateral collateral ligament, which is obviously a very painful injury. I know that because I've done that myself. I've torn my ACL, MCL, PCL, and LCL all in one. I know exactly what that's like. Not fun here, but obviously he is expected to miss some time. So that means a little bit more for Damian Williams and the Chicago Bears potentially going forward. Yeah, and David Williams, quite frankly, has not, he did not play poorly in that one. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people given the fact that he has nearly a, an 11% target share leading up to this portion of the game and also averaged nearly seven yards per carry Sunday. It, it's hard to replace a, a David Montgomery and how well he has played between the back half of last year and also the early start of this year. He was RB21, but it's, he was coming off his best game on Sunday. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves was that the Bears reaching a turning point in this offense under Matt Nagy, or is that a product of playing the Detroit Lions? And I think that's the the more curious aspect of this, because, hey, let's say we throw Damian Williams in there. Would he have the same success in this offense going up against a solid team? And I think that would be the curious portion, because, like I said, we saw Dave Montgomery have a lot of success. He was the RB3 at one point uh, through last year. It was when Bill Lazor actually took over the play-calling duties. And under Matt Nagy again this year, we have all these issues at quarterback. There's a lack of continuity on this team. And then you have the struggles for one of the NFL's better players. Now, great. I think we all kind of remember that, you know, that superhero level graphic they threw up on that when they compared him, you know, to the legs of Saquon Barkley, the speed yeah. of Dalvin Cook. <laughs> uh, I think we all kind of remember that one. It was like a, some Megatron build or whatever. Um, but no, he's, he's a solid point. It's going to, it hurts when you lose a key level player. But at least at this point, we're not looking at we're losing a, one of these star-studded uh, younger players for an extended period of time, like we saw Cam Akers, like we saw with J.K. Dobbins already, like we saw with Travis Etienne. So hopefully it's nothing it's nothing severe, and the reports are that the ACL is intact. If it's an MCL sprain, hopefully it's nothing major. I think we would all kind of breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief uh, at that point. Hopefully he would be back in just a couple of weeks. But yeah, Damian Williams will likely be a very hot waiver wire ad moving forward in this offense. Now taking a look now at the New Orleans Saints, obviously backup running back Tony Jones Jr. left action with an ankle injury, was carted off in the Saints' overtime loss to the New York Giants. Which the NFL, my friend, is so wild. You tell me that the Giants are going to go to New Orleans and beat the Saints. It happened. They marched into a Superdome there and obviously took care of business. You know, looking at it from this standpoint here, Tommy, you know, looking at Tony Jones Jr., I don't, you know, not to minimize the the impact of the player, but we were talking about it before we went on the show here. It, it's not like he gets a lot of run inside the games as well, right? Because yeah. you have Taysom Hill and you have Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's like how much run is he actually going to get? Obviously, you lose a depth piece. That always hurts. Your thoughts on this injury? No, I think you're absolutely right. Because if you look back at his season, like he hasn't really gotten that much run. It's very much the Alvin Kamara show. And the one game where he got nearly half of his carries came in week one when the Green Bay, when the uh, they were just blowing out the Green Bay Packers, and they were just, at that point, they just pulled out the starters. So that's the only time he's gotten his reps when they almost pulled uh, nearly everyone. Outside of that, look, this is the Alvin Kamara show, and at this point, you're probably likely to see a little bit more Taysom Hill, which I think is the more interesting thing, but unless you're in a super flex or a 2QB league where he actually only has quarterback position eligibility, that doesn't really benefit fantasy managers as much. So it's one of those ones where you're kind of keeping hands off, but I don't think anyone was necessarily starting Tony Jones Jr. anyway in their lineups. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, obviously, you know, with Taysom Hill, that's the hard part too. I have him, he's on my bench and he got me 15 points yesterday just because of the fact that he carried the football. He scored a touchdown. He did throw an interception, which you hate to see that. I don't ever know when to start him. I mean, let's I, be honest. You don't. You never know. And look, the Saints no. are such an interesting team this year. They have a game where they just destroy the Green Bay Packers. They're very efficient. Yeah. Then they beat the New England Patriots, you know, and then all of a sudden they just lay an egg. You know, they have, well, they had, they laid an egg, obviously, against Carolina Panthers, and then they do one against the New York Giants. They're a weird football team this year. So I I'm, never I'm would very have skeptical. thought the Saints would have lost the first game back in the dome since the hurricane. <laughs> Like, yeah. I never would have believed that would ever happen in my life. Like, for me, like, the, the surest bets in football are bet on the New Orleans Saints after a hurricane. Like, whether that's the very game next, the very next game or the first time they return. I mean, it was a rowdy game. atmosphere, a, a completely well, rowdy Orleans. atmosphere. Yeah. New Orleans is one of the best atmospheres. The Superdome is one of the best things you can go to. I was just surprised at just how flat they looked against the Giants team. And, you know, look, I felt like the Giants, despite the injuries that they had at wide receiver to Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, you obviously have to monitor those things, but they it didn't matter then. They marched in, and Kenny Galladay came up big down the stretch for them. Yep. That's what you paid him for in the offseason. So you, you're kind of glad to see that there. Uh, kind of shifting now to the wide receiver position here. Obviously, uh, Will Fuller, the Miami Dolphins, you know, it's been a little bit of a tumultuous season for him so far. He left action with a hand injury and the team's lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Just a, a disappointing performance all around by the Miami Dolphins, to be yeah. honest with you, against a very banged up Indianapolis Colts team. Uh, there's been a lot of issues here with Will Fuller so far, but now obviously this has an impact because Jacoby Brissett right now is at quarterback Tua could return here in the next couple of weeks for uh, the Dolphins organization. You look at all the weapons around them. I mean, how does this impact the Dolphins' offense? That right now they're just struggling to get anything going. Yeah, it's one of those interesting ones where you have so many. Like this is an offense that I think when we were all expecting a healthy Tua, this was going to be a much improved offense. I was very much on the side of where I thought that Tua was going to take a step forward this year. I bought into it with a lot of my fantasy teams, and I thought that was subsequently going to help all of the wide receivers there at the same time, Mike Gusecki, Will Fuller. They bring in his one of his former teammates in Jalen Waller and still have Devontae Parker, who is a great red zone threat. You have Mike Gusecki at tight end. I thought it was a very loaded, low-key loaded offense. But with, with Will Fuller, the issue has just been keeping him on the field. He's only yeah. been active for 55 of his 84 career game. Now, granted, that is including his six-game suspension uh, that he served part of last year and also in week one of uh, this year. But then he takes that game off in week two. We've only seen him out there in a, li in a limited time set uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Now dealing with his hand injury, it's it's kind of a mess. For me personally, the only wide receivers that I would feel comfortable playing right now would be Jalen Wall, just because we saw him get that very high target share um, in week three. So we know that he can at least get targeted, whether it's going to be with Tua or Jacoby Brissett in this offense. Um, Mike Zeki is starting to turn around a little bit over these last few weeks after a couple of dud performances. Granted, they were very difficult matchups in terms of uh, defense against a tight end position. It's You're hoping that this team gets Tua back, because right now with Jacoby Brissett, this is not a very lucrative offense from a fantasy aspect. Uh, Brissett, for as good as he is, for as long as he's been in the league, filling in another crazy situation. I mean, this isn't even the the most head-scratching or puzzling situation if we go back all the way to when he filled in for Andrew Luck in his mid-preseason, mid-game retirement from the Indianapolis Colts. So it's one where I personally, I kind of hoping that we do get to a back and that it does kind of build back up some of the uh, fantasy value for these receivers. And along the same time, they've got to figure out what their running game is because right now, Miles Gaskin is doing absolutely nothing. They're doing this, this split between him and Malcolm Brown, Salvin Ahmed, 
they have to figure out something to help take some of the pressure off of this passing game. Yeah, and well, not to mention, too, I mean, there were a couple of plays where the defense, I felt like, had great coverage. I mean, Rowe had a great coverage on Mo Alley Cox on one play, yep. and just the bigger body. He caught that touchdown. There were some miscommunication issues by the defense as well. Just unfortunate for the Dolphins. The, that's why, you know, with tight ends, big basketball bodies, box out, throw it up. Even against the best corners, it's hard. It's a hard adjustment to do. Yeah. Um, let's take a, a look here at the Washington football team. Obviously, there's a wide receiver injury, and there's a tight end injury starting off with wide receiver Diami Brown left with a knee injury in the team's thrilling game against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Obviously a blow to them because he's got this dynamic and I hate to say that because Diami dynamic. Uh, he's, wrong, got this, he's got this dynamic play set to him, but you know, you, you lose him with an injury. Not sure how long he may be out. He may be back this week right now. We don't, I mean, the information out there is, is too little, but they did yeah. receive a boost with Curtis Samuel returning to the lineup, which can kind of help offset that a little bit. So looking at wide receiver, there's that. At tight end, you lose Logan Thomas to an injury, a hamstring, which continues to just be the Achilles heel right now of the National Football League. You lose him, and he was quickly ruled out. I mean, what does it mean for Taylor Heineke in that offense? I think a big thing is going to be to more targets going to your key playmakers. Uh, there's not too much sitting behind these guys in terms of depth that I think you're going to all of a sudden take a giant step forward. Uh, like I said, Diamond Brown, like for as good as he is, like he's more than just the deep threat that we saw in North Carolina. He can run those intermediate routes, but at the same time, he just hasn't been he hasn't been a lot of a, a consistent threat this year. He's only got five or sevens on 14 targets, which is not a great percentage, obviously. Now, granted, you've also had the the change of quarterback from a Ryan Fitzpatrick to a to a Taylor Heineke. Uh, so we'll have to see what kind of happens there. But for me, it's just gonna be more targets going towards you guys like Curtis Samuel towards Terry McLaurin, you know, towards JD, um, JD McKissick and even Antonio Gibson, who did take a shot to the ribs. We kind of want to make sure nothing's really popped up about that. We just want to make sure he's good to go, good to go. But we, we all assume that he should be, but I think it's only these guys that we kind of saw step up when they didn't have these playmakers last year. You're kind of all of a sudden looking at that exact same situation this year until we get some of these guys back going again. Um, I think it's, it's just great timing personally, just to get Curtis Samuel back who only had like one or two practices throughout the entire preseason while he dealt with a groin as one of the big free agent signings of the offseason in general. So I think they're going, he's going to get a lot of heavy usage once they know that he is fully 100% good to go. And it's just like, it's going to be the, a lot of, I think the running the game and also that, those check downs uh, back down to Antonio Gibson. And then um, uh, JD McKissick, who was number two in the NFL in targets last year at the running back position. Oh, can we just talk about just throwing it up? Yeah. Taylor Heineke had some throws as a coordinator. Like, why would he do that? But you know, what? Yeah. it didn't matter. Scary Terry's in the vicinity. He's going to go doesn't matter. He'll catch it, man. it. I, I, I enjoyed learned, that. If you're ever going to throw it up, you're going to learn from the best. You had Ryan Fitzpatrick in front of you, who <laughs> had that one reception it. last year <laughs> against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders when his head is literally getting ripped off to the side and somehow completes that deep pass when they, uh, when they went on to win that game. I love it, man. Well, obviously, a lot of injuries to, to keep in mind for fantasy football managers as they monitor their lineups this week. But don't forget, in the mood for fantasy football, we have you covered with waiver wire, start sit, and all the information that you need every single day. Profootballnetwork.com, not to mention three episodes of the podcast per week. Make sure you subscribe, free and available everywhere you get your podcast, and check out all the amazing written work that Tommy and our other fantasy analysts provide at ProFootballNetwork.com. I'm Cody Work of PFN. We'll see you next time for the waiver wire for fantasy football week five.